0: So if you have your bibles, you can you can take them out and we're going to look at how Jesus directs us towards a relationship with God, not just the practice of empty rituals for God. Really getting to the heart of the issue. So as you turn into John chapter 2, Verse 13, uh, I want to share a little story. One of my uh, friends out in Virginia Beach, so just this last weekend, uh, he, he, he has a, like a, a realty business that he, he works in. And they have these rental properties because there's lots of like vacation houses in v- Virginia Beach. And, um, and, and then they have some like, uh, like full-time tenants. And so this one guy moved out and he was kind of a bad tenant in one of the houses they had. And, and they went to move a new group in, and the new people that moved into the house were like, there's something that smells in the house. So they, like, thought, well, you know, maybe we'll have the cleaners come back through. We do clean it after every other tenant, but we're sorry. Maybe they overlooked something. Like, we'll re-clean it. So they sent the cleaners in, clean the whole house. But the smell just got worse. So they began to, like, you know, search in depth through the different rooms and closets and basement and behind fridge and, and behind the washer and dryer. And they're like, it just got worse, and they found nothing. And they had, like, an inspector, like, come in and check it out. And he was like, literally, the house looks perfect. It's clean from head to head. Like, I don't see anything. Months went by. The new tenants finally moved out. The smell became so bad, he said, you would almost puke just walking into the house. And they were like, what is it? They started to notice, months later, a spot on one of the white walls started to, like, discolor. They were like, what? And then it, like, a, like a couple of weeks later, it got soft. So they brought in a construction guy. He tore off the sheetrock to find a full-size dead chicken. The previous tenant had gotten mad at the owners, figured he wanted payback. He happened to be a guy who worked in drywall, so he tore off a wall of the house, put a full-on dead chicken in the wall, put the drywall back up, plaster, paint, sealed the deal, and moved out. And everybody who walked through the house saw a house in perfect order that looked like everything was all right on the outside, yet little did they know on the inside there was something foul, death. And in the same way, I want to talk about tonight how we as Christians can put our lives up like we have everything together on the outside. And we can, we can do all the right things. Read our Bible, say our prayers, praise when Sam is leading worship. We can have the right answers. But meanwhile, on the inside, beyond the surface... There's death, there's something foul, and it will begin to stink. If not to those around us, it already does to the Lord. Because you see, he wants, God wants far more than just our habits or our rituals. He wants our heart, he wants a relationship. And so that's what we're going to dive into. Join me in John chapter 2, verse 13 through 25. Uh, It should be on the screen as well if you don't have your Bible. Uh, Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And then Jesus, making a whip of cords... He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of. The money changers and overturned their tables. Like, I don't know if you sense this, like, this moment, you know, you read through and it's like words on a page, but I want to pick, I want you to try to picture, like, being in church and not just like we think of church as this, you know, and it's okay that there's kids running upstairs, you know, and music next door, and it's like, yeah, it's, but like, picture the type of church that people prepared for days to go to. It was, like, known as a place of, 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 of respect and reverence. I remember we took the trip to Israel, and we walked in an old Catholic cathedral. And it was like you could hear a pin drop in it. And then Lauren Hopper, actually. Do those remember who were on the trip? Lauren Hopper dropped her water bottle, a simple water bottle, and it was like... <laughs> And everybody was like, what just happened? You disturbed the place of God, you know? And we were like, we're about to get struck by lightning. We're out of here. (laughs) So imagine, I wanted to do this, but I thought it would be too, like, I was going to come up on stage right as Sam and the team were done worshiping, and I was going to set up a table here, and I was just going to go... And throw it in the air and have it go boom just to make a point. When I was like, either I'll hit someone or I won't be able to throw the table and it'll be really anticlimactic. <laughs> but picture I mean, picture coins scattering, t-ting, 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 animals running, birds squawking, people screaming, the chaos that happened, and Jesus, the one who causes it. That's intense. Okay, so then uh, verse 16. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what signs will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them and said, Oh, sorry. Uh, Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at Passover feast, many believed in his name, and when they saw the signs that he was doing, verse 24, but Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in the heart of man. So, Father God, I ask, Lord, that you would uh, reveal yourself to us tonight as we open up your word. That you would reveal to us the greatness of your son, Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Lord, that you would minister to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that we don't have to ask you to be here with us, but you've promised your presence with those who believe in you. So we thank you for that reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, so first of all, my first point, if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to take notes, uh, not because I think that I'm like super special and like I have great words to say, but here's the reality. As we open up the Bible, I know the reality is these are not just words written thousand years ago, but they are also the very words of God. And that as we open up this book together, yes, it will be Zane up here flapping his yapper, you know, just like Matt's talking, to you know, every week. But the reality is, is it's not about Matt, it's not about Zane, whoever else steps on the stage. But as we open up his word, God is able to speak to you. So therefore, if if there's something that lays on your heart, I would say take notes. Plus, you might have to give them when you get to heaven. No, just joking. Uh, So the first one. We approach God humbly, not hypocritically. We see this in the first part. Check it out. John chapter 2, 13 through 17. His Passover uh, uh, of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers and turned the tables. And, and those who sold the pigeons, he said, take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of trade. The, the disciples remembered uh, that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. A little backstory here. The sacrificial system was something that was set up by God in the Old Testament. And I'm going to like way oversimplify it, but essentially it was made so that people could, could approach God. And so there were certain sacrifices that people the blood of an animal would cover your sin. Or it was also a way to give thanks to God for how great he is. And so this was a way, through the sacrificial system, something to cover your debt, to cover that sin, so that you could approach him. So it was something that was actually really good, because we know back in the garden, Adam and Eve, right, they sinned, they rebelled against God, and God made the first sacrifice, when he clothes him with animal skin, and he makes a way to himself. So this is actually a really good thing, the sacrificial system, as it started. Now, it was incomplete because it never removed sin. It just covered sin, and it was meant to point to one day that Jesus would come and be the ultimate sacrifice, one-time removal of all sin, so that we can forever be in that place with God and not have to continually offer sacrifices every year over and over and over again. Does that make sense? So people who were the people of God, the Jewish people, you were required every Passover, if you lived at, I forget the exact, so don't quote me on this, it was like 12 miles, you were required to go to the temple for Passover and make a sacrifice. So people would come to the temple to make a sacrifice. Well, what if you didn't have a pigeon or a goat? What if you didn't have an animal? Well, then you don't want to approach the temple empty-handed so you could buy an animal at the temple. So that's why they're selling animals. But what you need to know is it began to be a little corrupt because the animal had to be a spotless sacrifice. I mean, it couldn't have any, like, couldn't have a broken arm. And like, well, I'm just going to give him this one. It doesn't work. You know, like, here, I'm a sacrifice to God. They wanted to make sure that it was a good one, that it really meant something to you. But here's what happened. A lot of the priests would inspect it and say, this one's not good enough. And they'd hand it back. What are you going to offer God now? And you would stuck. You're like, well, it's totally... Well, I guess there's a place at least that I can go buy them. But now what's really interesting about this is it shouldn't have even been in the temple probably at all. And the place that it was in was in the place that the outsider, the non-Jewish people, the non-people of God That was like their place. It was part of the temple that God had provided for the outsiders who had had God impressed on their heart. Maybe they had heard from a neighbor who's Jewish, and they say, I want to worship your God too. Well, you can't go into the inner court. You can't go into the other place. We're just reserved for the Jewish people. So you could only go to this outer part for the outsiders. But for you, you're like, dude, that's so awesome. Like, I can approach God in that place. And that place was no longer a place of worship, but it was a place of commerce. And these people who are selling the stuff, they started to get rich off of it. They started to mark up the prices because they saw, hey, we're the only place in town. (laughs) Where else are you going to go to get a sacrifice? It's going to charge you double, triple, quadruple, sometimes up to 10 times the amount of worth of the animal. And so you're stuck. So now, if you were a Gentile, is what they would be called, which is basically any other person other than the people of God, Jewish... (laughs) You're stuck on the outside, possibly unable to afford the sacrifice. And now your approaching God has been hindered by the greed of those under the name of his people. And I don't know about you guys, but I just sense this hypocrisy in it. As being a Christian, who's received the grace of God, I don't want to do anything to keep people out. I realize I've received grace. I don't deserve to be in the family of God. I'm like, I, look, I get in the mirror more. I'm like, God, you picked me? Your picker's broken, surely. <laughs> like, what? They're like, you would allow me? Like, do you know my past? You know the things I've done wrong? Man, I'm just so amazed by the grace of God that he would allow me to be part of his family. And then to, like, hold others out or try to get rich off of them because I say, oh, they need God too. Maybe I can, like, make a little bit on the side. And you know what? I just see the hypocrisy in it. But, you know, I don't just see it in them. I actually have seen it in the Christian world today. So I recently got to travel and be a part of this tour, and I kind of felt like the odd kid out. Like, I'm in the corner like, hey, you know, one of these is not like the other one. One of them doesn't belong. And I just like, with all these bands that I like listen to, you know, I'm like, I listen to that guy on the radio, you know? And I'm like, this is amazing. You know, I have your CD. You don't even know what a CD is, but I I like your CD. (laughs) Uh, And I was just amazed. And then I'll never forget when I met this one band they had they had, i mean they had at their merch table they had the 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 shirts with the crosses they had the necklaces with the crosses they had the christian slogans and and everything that i saw off stage looked nothing like the christ they proclaimed and every night i watched them get up on stage and sing their hearts out to god and i watched i watched thousands of students sing with them and then i saw what happened backstage I just saw the hypocrisy, and I realized, and I want to be careful because I'm not trying to judge their hearts, but it seemed to me like this Christian world for them was another opportunity for them to be famous, play on stage, and make money. And where it hit the hardest is when there was a couple teenagers who volunteered at the conference, gave up their entire experience of the night to serve those behind the stage. And they were delivering something to that band's bus and they saw on that bus what happened every night. And I watched them walk off because I was walking out to my bus and I saw the look on their face and I heard what they said and I realized they had just watched their heroes who they had looked up to as people of leaders of, in the Christian world, look nothing like the Christ they proclaimed. And I, I went over and I stopped and I had a conversation. I remember just like, it was like they couldn't even talk to me because they were just so hurt and broken and jaded. But, but you know what? Before we get too quick to even just judge that band, can I be honest? I think that's me sometimes. I'd like to be like, yeah, do those dirty, rotten Pharisees and oh, they missed it, you know, these money changers. Oh, dude, sinners, not band, dude. They, they need to live like Jesus. Can I just be real? Like, my heart uh, is to, like, train students to share their faith with their friends. I love encouraging others to talk about Jesus. I just uh, met with a guy out here in the parking lot tonight. I sell stuff on Craigslist all the time. My family calls me the Craigslist evangelist, right? Because I'm like, dude, do you want to buy this? Let me tell you about Jesus. Selling this stuff, and I was kind of frustrated with this guy. And I was late for a meeting, and I knew God was laying it on my heart to tell him about Jesus But I didn't because I thought about how I had already responded to him and I didn't think it matched with how a Christian should treat a person. I'm just being real. And here we are, meeting in the parking lot of a church. So I walk away with the money for a cooler that I I'm like, what? And I felt so convicted. I was like, Lord, what are the other things that get in the way of my life that shows other people a false picture of the Jesus that I worship? And i love it just to touch down a little bit further in your life. Is there something in your life where, yes, maybe it started as good, an opportunity for people to come know Jesus. You know, these are like offering sacrifices. you come to church, you're reading your Bible, you're saying your prayers, you're singing the, the thing. But, like, when you go to school, it looks nothing like the Jesus that you proclaim. Maybe you got it in your your bio, right? Your your uh your, the year of school that you're in, and like, dude, all for God or whatever it is. And then all the pics below are like totally have nothing to do with the God that you follow. And maybe some of it is even offensive to him. And actually some of them, some of the pics even like like a more representation of the very thing that Jesus went to the cross to die for. You posted for a like. I don't, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to like make you feel bad. That's not my heart. I hope you hear it, that I just want you to experience all that Jesus has for you. And I don't want the hypocrisy get in the way of the opportunity to be humble. And just say, you know what? Why don't we all just be honest? We're all a little bit hypocritical, aren't we? What if actually, like, I used to be like, oh, a bunch of hypocrites. What if I just owned it? I'll actually be the first person to say, I'm a hypocrite. I believe in a God who loves me so much that he would send his only son to live a perfect life, to die on my behalf, to be raised to new life. This is the greatest miracle that's ever happened. This is the greatest news that can ever be proclaimed. And he then calls me to follow him and be perfect. And let me tell you, I fall short every day. You think I'm a hypocrite? Ha! It's worse. You only see the half of it. But guess what? Praise be to Jesus that even when I'm not perfect, he is And so what if I'm not trying to give you a license to sin, but just to give you that space to say when I do, I can be humble and admit it to even those around me. And what if rather it becoming a hindrance to those coming to worship Jesus, it became another proclamation of how good Jesus is and how much we fail. Praise be him for his faithfulness, not our own. Okay, uh, I got to keep going. I'm sorry. Um, the, The next point. We look to a savior not a sign. Check out this next part. John chapter 2, 18 through 22. So then the Jews said to him, what sign will you show us for doing these things? Because, I mean, I mean, this was a big deal. So they're like, we want to know what sort of authority do you have to come in here, flip these tables, throw the change out. I mean, you're causing a ruckus. Like, you think you own this place? He's like, well, my dad does. <laughs> uh, so verse 19, Jesus answered them destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Of course they think he's talking about the temple. They're in the temple. They're saying, why do you have the authority to do this in the temple? But Jesus, dude, I just love how he answers stuff. Uh, Jesus says, destroy this temple. Three days I will raise it up. They say, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And when, and when, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And then they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Essentially, you guys, the, the, the people are saying, we want to know that you're really who you say you are. Which actually, what's kind of cool about this, this tells me that they're actually thinking he might be. Otherwise, I'm mean, going to think they would arrest him right there and kick him out. But they're like, yeah, let's just look at him. Wait, how do we know? I don't know. How, show us then. Like, do a sign, do something cool, right? Like, show us that you're this dude. Show us a sign. And there's part of me that's like, really? I mean, you, you, you're asking the Son of God to like perform on your behalf. But, but you know what's crazy? Again, I look to my own life and I think about how often I've been in that place. God, if you will just do this, then I'll believe you more. If you just heal my dad, then I'll go all in for you. If you just help me pass this test. Anybody been there before? You did not. Yeah, okay, that's thanks for being real. <laughs> that would have been me. I'll be like, man, I'll believe you if I, if I pass this test. But then I'm like, well, I was, I, there, I, that would take a miracle the size of parting the Red Sea. I am passing this test. <laughs> But, but you've been in the right, like, oh, man, if, if this girlfriend, boyfriend would, would get back together with me, then I'll believe. We may not seek a sign like they did, but I think we seek the signs, too. And it's basically, if you do this, God, that's when I will love you fully, trust you fully, go all in, or do whatever. And and you know what's crazy is ultimately Jesus answers to them they were looking for a sign, and Jesus says, look, look to me. You see, that it's not just about these big things that we often look for to see God in. If I just saw him, like, right in the sky, then I would believe in him. <laughs> if I just blank, then that was, would be how I would trust him. You know what? Actually, just this weekend, I saw, I feel like, another experience of that. I'm at this conference. I'm one of three preachers. And one of the other preachers in the hallway is talking to me. And he says, have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? To which I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is a loaded question a little bit. And I said, well, um, how how would you define that? Because I know sometimes that can mean a lot of different things to people. And he said, well, evidence in speaking of tongues. And I said, well, I would say no, I have not then. And he looks at me. Now, remember, I'm, I'm one of the other preachers, and so I, I got invited to this conference as well. And he says, oh, well, then you're not saved. And I was like, sick, bro. I'm Zane. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and, and, and here's the deal. He was making salvation something other than Jesus Christ and him alone. And I looked at him and I said, bro, I think here, you know, I don't mean to get too theological with you. And, and, and I, I didn't want to try to, like, just go after him because he was a young dude. and I just met him. And, and I just said, here's the deal. I think I would have a real difficult time making salvation about anything else other than the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, and us accepting the gift of life that he gives because of that. And he heard it. And I don't think it was like me because I had a swift argument. I mean, that's literally all I said. And the truth of God, I think, resonated in his heart in that moment. And this whole background that he had grown up that was about you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have to have this experience where then it's produced signs and wonders and speaking in tongues. He just realized the simplicity of the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it is through simply believing in Jesus Christ and him alone that you are saved in Sentence, period, stop. That's it. John 17, 3. I love it. It's like one of my favorite verses. It says, uh, uh, this is eternal life. And it can seem like, oh, okay, this is eternal life. P.S. Eternal life is not just a length of life, but a quality of life. This is eternal life. Don't miss it. To know him. Whew. And then all the other stuff follows as a result of that relationship with him. We can't get the cart before the horse. You just want to make sure it stays attached. So then the whole, fo- the the following, seeking Him in the Word and, and understanding Him through prayer and and spending time in, in youth group and and in small group and all these things. Those are are responses to the reality of this gift that we've received, but they're not to get it. That's the beauty of the gospel message. So we seek Jesus. It's about Him, not His stuff, not the signs, not the things around it. I don't. And this is again, I want to give a little bit of a heart check. Is being a Christian for you about going to church, reading your Bible, saying your prayers, not cussing, (laughs) if you're really radical, (laughs) showing up to small group, maybe even having a Bible study on the side. Again, I'm not saying any of these things are bad. They're amazing. I love all, all those things. But is the Christian life about those things or is it about Jesus Christ plus nothing else? Are you saved because of him or because of your habits? Do you look to the rituals, the stuff you do that's been passed down, that's proved over time and generations, it's good stuff? Do you look to the rituals or do you look to the relationship with him? Let's keep going. The heart of the issue is the heart is the issue. John 2, 23 through 25. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing because Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. You see, Jesus saw beyond the surface. He knew what was beyond and buried underneath it all. Was a heart issue. Yeah, they were like selling stuff in the temple, they were doing all these things. It in some ways it could have looked good from the outside, but Jesus knew there was something going on in their heart. You know what I realized? As much as I wanted and tried to invest in this band and spent time with them, and at times I felt like, God, how is it that like you've it seems like you've blessed this band. They're famous, they're making, they're like living their best life, and it's a lie. Please hear me. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. He sees beyond the surface. They're not hiding anything from God. And one day, it will be found out. And here's what I noticed about hypocrisy and about sin. Is it starts underneath the surface, but it's like a Snowball. And when it begins rolling downhill, it grows in size. This band, you know what I realized also through spending time with them? They've actually been hurt. I'm not trying to make up for them and make excuses for them. They've been really hurt by some churches and by some Christians. And so because of that, they, they just kind of feel stuck. They actually kind of don't know what to do. We had some amazing talks and trying to bring it back to Jesus and not about all this other stuff. But here's, here's the reality. That snowball of hypocrisy was growing so much in their lives. It got so big, it finally got discovered. And one day, like a snowball, those of us who have made a snowman, (laughs) you can only make that ball so big before it crushes under its own weight. One day, if there is that hypocrisy in you, if you're living that two life, one foot in the church, one foot in the world, you're here one way, but you're there another way, it will be found out. It will be found out in this life, and if not, it one day will be found out in full when you stand before the God of the universe and you have to give an answer for your life. And there's no hiding. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. And so there, I think again, it's just an opportunity for us to be real. And the simple question, like oh, I was trying to boil it down, like how do I ask this? It's, And really only you can know. Do you know Jesus or do you just know a lot about him? Like, like, are you with Jesus? Do you know him? And what's crazy about this is you're the only one that can answer that. And some of what's even more wild is like some of your small group leaders, they may not even know because you might have that good answers, right? You might come from the good family, it might on the outside look like it all fits together but you're lacking one thing. Jesus. So, uh I love surfing, right? But for the longest time, I was just a poser. Do you guys know what that is? Is that it's kind of just like a skateboard, surf, snow turn, snowboard turn like it's a poser, right? Do, do you use poser in anything else? Yeah? Nope. Some nope. Okay, a poser. So basically here's the deal. So I started, I I really got into surfing, and what I mean by that is I literally, I I started watching surf videos, and it was actually when I lived in Colorado, so we live in the middle of, in the mountains, right, the Rockies. I would draw the shades in the midst of winter, I would put on a surf, you guys, I went way in deep, I brought sand and a kiddie pool into our room, and I would pour the sand into the kiddie pool, I would sit there in my swim shorts, in our room in the rockies watching surf videos heat cranked up snowing outside not a care in the world i'm like yeah dude i got a question for you i'd never surfed at that moment am i a surfer no <laughs> right i'm just a poser so then i started getting real real talk here this is a surf watch it tells tide all around the world we then later moved to Minnesota. I found out you can order a surfboard online. I ordered a surfboard online, shipped right to my house. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> I then found out you can surf in Minnesota on Lake Superior. It's fresh water, but if you get these crazy winds, it'll produce waves on the lake that you can surf. It just so happens that it's in the middle of winter, so it's like negative freeze your face off, right? But I'm like, it can happen. So I got a wetsuit. I literally would put the wetsuit on in our house. I almost brought it, but I was like, nah, it'll just be awkward. So I'm on a wetsuit, and I'm like showing my kids. I'm like, yo, check out my wetsuit. You know, Steiner, my son, he's like, bro, you look weird, dad. <laughs> and it's funny because it like goes around your whole face. Anyways, I then found a book called Surf the Great Lakes. Check this out, though. On Amazon, I got that surf book. (laughs) You're like, you paid $1,000 for that book. No. I checked out all the public libraries across the entire United States. I found one. You better believe I registered for my first ever library card and I checked this out. I checked today. Back in 2020, I've had this book for a bit. I got some late fees. They're probably like $1,000 right now, right? And someone told me, he's like, you can go to jail for that. I was like, what, is there like a librarian that's going to come and tase me? Like, what? So sorry if some of your family are like, my mom's a librarian. You're in big trouble. <laughs> Don't tell her, all right? I'm trying to keep that book. Uh, I want to pay $1,000 for it. Am I a surfer? No. I've got all this stuff, but I've never surfed. You know what? I finally got to go up to Lake Superior. Here's me on my pink foamy riding a wave in Minnesota. Yes, everybody makes fun of me because they're like, bro, you ride a pink foam board. Real surfboards don't look like that. That's not a real surfboard. This is what you give to kids. It was cheap, all right? It's what I had. It was pink. And I'm like, so what? It's cheap, okay? Am I a surfer now? I get made fun of. I only surf on fresh water. I don't even get to go to real salt water. Am I a surfer? Yes, because I've surfed. Here's the deal. It takes surf to be a surfer. It takes Christ to be a Christian. I'm saying some of you guys, you read the book. I could repeat some of this stuff to you. Stony, Stony Point, it takes a Northwest wind uh, blowing for over tw- uh, 12 hours at 20 miles an hour. I got it memorized. I checked this I checked it. It might actually blow next Thursday. <laughs> I subscribe to a weather app so I can watch the winds. I checked California this morning. I don't know why. Pray for me. You might have all this stuff, but do you have him? That you would bow your heads, close your eyes. You know, like in the beginning, I talked about the chicken in the wall. Is there a chicken in the wall? Maybe it's time to flip some tables, to crack the whip, and to get serious about what's happening in my heart. Do I know him? And honestly, I can't answer that. Your parents can't answer that. No one can answer that but you. But if right now, as I was talking, and you thought about the reality of the life that Jesus lived, we've been talking about him. Matt's preached so clearly. I've been hearing about this Jesus who was who was talked about hundreds, thousands of years before. Talked about the reality of how powerful this God is. <laughs> Yeah, dude. And I was like, boom, it's time. heads bowed and eyes closed. You think about the life Jesus lived, the death that he died. And then the resurrection, that he came back to life, that he conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered Satan. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Father and he offers you life. And it's not about whether you a great church attendance, or how many Bible verses you know, but it's simply, do you know him? And if right now you say, you know what, Zane? I don't know him, but I want to. With heads bowed and eyes closed, in just a moment, would you look up at me? I mean, not just yet. I'm not saying you look up at me because that that like does anything special, doesn't save you, Um, but sometimes an outward reality of what's happened on the inside. I would love to pray for you. So if that's you, and you say, "Yeah, I I don't know him, but I will. I want to." Zane, would you pray for me? Would you look up at me right now? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I'm kind of on your right hand side of the room. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm in the middle. Anybody else in the middle? I see you. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Let's chat afterwards, man. Anybody else on the far left side of the room my right okay Father I pray for each and every one of those students that look up that said you know hey I- I've been in this stuff but I'm not sure that I have that relationship got I love that your word says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved as simple as that or it is with your mouth that you confess and are justified and it is with your heart that you believe and are saved. So Father, I pray that right now, not because they looked up and not because they even said a prayer because it's not about looking up or saying a prayer. But it's about trusting in you that they would place their full trust in you and you alone right now. And for Father for those of us who are like, yo, I, I know that I've, I, I've done some things where I've lived that hypocritical life. I got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. But I don't want my life to be a hindrance to others. I want to full-on pursue you. If that's you, would you look up at me right now? Yeah. 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 That's all right. Yep, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're not alone. Just so you guys know, those who are looking up. Yeah. yep, Yeah. Yeah, come on. I love it. You know, it's not just students. I see leaders. I, I mean, if I was in there, I'd be looking up at you. I'm like, yeah. I, I live in that place sometimes. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, come on, yeah, yeah, it's time, yeah. I think sometimes this outward, like, I'm looking up, it's a move. And yeah, it's not nothing spiritual or special, but it starts with a move of looking up, and I think it follows with a move of saying, I'm not living that life anymore. And yeah, I may fall and I may fail, but it's not final. I just keep looking to him, come on. You guys, what if this was a movement that God's starting in here? this is the best night of the week, I don't know about you. Father God, I thank you for those who looked up and they say, yeah, I've been in that place, but God help me. I need your grace to to leave that hypocrisy and walk humbly and be open with those around me to say, yeah, I need Jesus. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for sending Jesus as the perfect person who lived on our behalf and then died in our place and then rose to new life, that we might receive this gift of life. It's not only a one-time thing, but a continual process. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for being with us in the midst. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.